Rivers, guarded by O'Neal. Gets by him with the left hand. Now retreats back out. Five on the clock. Working him one-on-one. Gets O'Neal in the air. Fires the three hits. You got to be kidding me. He's in a different place, a different time, and a different zone. Utah Jazz up by 18 in the second quarter in Madison Square Garden. But the Knicks rally, and they win the game. And at the end, it's Austin Rivers. Lighting them up with four three-pointers, a little floater, 14 straight points, and it was 96-all, and it ended up being a 16-4 run for the Knicks to close and win the game. So now the Jazz are 4-4, four and four, and the question of the day, what's wrong with the Jazz? Marco says, they don't have a bad guy. They need a bleepster in that locker room, someone to kick their arse. <laughs> I was talking about that yesterday. I keep hearing about, you know, how BYU talks about the greatest locker room in the country, and it's all great and stuff. And when you have that, and you know, you you want it, but at the same time, do they have a Jimmy Butler? Do they have somebody who's going to crack on people? Do you need that? Is that something that is a requirement? Do you need somebody who's going to have some issue? You know, we, we talk about that is I don't care if they're best buddies. It really just doesn't matter to me. I don't, I don't know these guys. I'm not interested in knowing any, any of them. They're way younger than me, so I don't want to be their friends. It, it wouldn't happen anyway. We're just not of the same generation. Uh, so I don't care about that stuff. And I look at, you know, somebody like, is if you have somebody like that, is it necessarily a bad thing? Because the Warriors won a few titles with Draymond Green, and he seemed to have some trouble getting along with people. But yet they won titles. And as a fan, isn't that what you ultimately want? And do you really care if they're best buds? You don't want a bunch of knuckleheads who are breaking the law and causing problems that get in the way of winning. But is some conflict necessarily bad? You need someone who can say the truth, even if the truth is freakishly uncomfortable. You don't need a steady diet of it. I think a steady, it's, it's weird. Like the right amount of it, I think, is very beneficial. And a steady diet of it is detrimental. And if you're going to go to the Warriors, I think Draymond is right on that line. He is. He rides that line off the top of my head. We got to think. Uh, there's probably better examples, but I, off the top of my head, I can't think of someone who rides that line so well. Well, Jordan punched Steve Kerr. Yeah, there you go. That's a good one. I was going current, <laughs> but if you want to go back 20 years or just go back to the summer when we watched it all relived in the documentary. Um, yeah. And so you, you do need someone who says, like, this is the standard and we got to meet the standard. Now, you don't need that yelled at you every day after you hear it a few times. Everybody just needs to know it. And then the group constantly, well, not constantly, but more often than not, the group meets that standard. And on the occasions when the group doesn't meet that standard, that's when you need that person to speak up. To hear from somebody 82 times, no, you don't. You, that, that's too much. Um, but, the, but the three to four times a year when things start to slip, you do need someone who will, who will do that. And do they have that? If they do, it isn't immediately obvious to me who it is. I think one day it'll be Donovan, but I think to what you said about uh, Luka Doncic is 21, and we were talking about this a couple days ago, you you just can't call people out when you're at that point in your career. But when you get into that the prime of your career and you've seen it and you've lived it a few times, 
and and Donovan's getting there. You know, I, one of the first signs that we see of it, I think, is when he says, "Hey, we got to stop losing the first round." You know, enough of that. We're done with that. Okay, he's lived it a couple times. He's felt it. He can talk about that pretty confidently now because he's been through it. And the more you go through it, the I think the easier it gets to be that guy. But there's also something to be said that it's just part of somebody's personality. And so it's probably there. And maybe they don't say it the first couple of years they were in uh, in the pros. But if, they are, uh, if they're in college for a while, it may be hard to say it as a freshman. There's so many one-and-done guys now. Um, but if you're in college for a while, you can say it then. Or maybe you said it to your high school and your AAU teams because it's part of your personality. Is it part of his personality? I'm leaning towards yes, but we haven't seen it for sure, so I can't guarantee you that. But I do think when he starts saying things like, we're done with this losing the first round thing, it's kind of a sign he's got a little bit of that. Well, he, I mean, he didn't have any problems saying that there was issues with uh, Gobert. He certainly yeah. hasn't had any problem of letting us know what uh, On political and social law issues. enforcement should be doing. Yeah. yeah. So why wouldn't it be there? I think it's there. You think he's crossed that line now where he can do that more often? Yeah. And maybe maybe oh, this yeah. is the year we'll see it way more often. It's his team. He's the star. This is his organization now from the player perspective. Obviously, he doesn't own it. But from the player perspective, yeah, this is his team. It's a little early. I understand that. Yeah. But nevertheless. Yeah, but he just got the contract, the max yeah. contract extension, which is management saying, now, I think we all knew management was going to do it a year or two ago. Of course. You mean, that wasn't brain surgery? No, no, no. And it was just based on the NBA economic world, obviously it was deserved. No one's going to argue that. I mean, it's an outrageous amount of money, but that's what they're dealing with. So we all understand that. I've, I've come to terms with that a long time ago. Uh, hence, no losers in pro sports. But as far as whose team it is, if you could only keep one player. Donovan. Yeah. <laughs> Donovan. You and I had this yeah. talk last spring. Donovan. <laughs> That's going to be the guy. Uh, right. Jeff just tweets at us. Uh, going, He's going the other way here. Jeff, swimming upstream. I'm not too concerned. Oh, no. I'm not too upset about the Knicks game. They shot over 43s. They'll win most games when they do that. The restricted area defense was a concern. The Knicks shot almost 40 shots in the restricted area. May want to try Oni to see if he can play D. <laughs> All things that can be fixed. Okay. What is restricted area? That's a lock term. It's in the, it's in, in, in the lane. They have that little the, the dotted line where you can't draw a charge. And there's that little dotted circle that kind of loops around the hoop. What's restricted about that? You can't be in there trying to draw charges. So they refer so to it as a restricted that, area. That's the one area where we call Basically, it, it means still- it's 40. When they say that when, you, when the Knicks shoot 40 shots in there, it, it basically means you're getting 40 layups, dunks, and putbacks. Because those are the kind of shots you get in there. It's point blank. It's, you know, inside of three feet. So in front of the rim. Yep. Well, there's nothing restricted about there because obviously (laughs) if they had all those points there, then they were allowed to be there. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, sure. I I think in in these situations, though, it is a buffet of issues. And you're probably not going to be able to say that is the one issue. But if you want to say that contributed mightily, yeah, you're most likely going to be right. 
Yeah, I think the first thing I would go to is turnovers because the turnovers are clearly zapping their their confidence, their mojo, and all that. If you turn the ball over, you don't even get a shot. Now we've been talking about they got all these good shooters, but you got these possessions where you're not getting shots, and conversely. You know when you turn the ball over, a lot of the turnovers they're having where guys are getting stripped while they're dribbling or they're driving down towards the baseline and floating a pass out towards the top of the key, these are turning into layups and dunks. Okay, but if you outscore the other team based on points off turnovers, isn't that a wash? You'd like to think so, but they came up 12 points short because there's obviously other stuff going on. But I just felt like they were, they were getting the turnovers and they were scoring off the turnovers, and that's why they built the 18-point lead. And then they had, I think in that 10-2 run the Knicks had to get back in the game in the last three minutes of the first half, I think the Jazz fed that with like three turnovers. Just boom, boom, boom. And they were soft. Right, but I mean, doesn't that even out, though? Well, at that point it did. But I didn't want them to be even out. They were up 18 and dominating. Okay. Don't turn the ball over and dominate. And you're right. If you just do the math at the end of the game, you're right. They lost by 12. They didn't get outscored by 12 in transition points. So there were other things. But I felt like they were in control of the game and dominating. Well, I, I didn't feel like, hey, they're up 18, but this doesn't feel right. You know, sometimes I mean, you get that watching a game. Like, yeah, you're up, but it doesn't feel right. This other team's coming back. They were up well, 18, and they were doing what – they were playing the way they need to play to win. They were playing – I don't like the expression, agreed. but let's use it. They were playing jazz basketball. Okay, fine. Yeah, I don't have any problem with that. Uh, the, the, the only thing that I would say is it's the first half. And yeah, it between was. the two of us, we've watched 475,852 regular season basketball games. And so that is a, 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 an 18-point lead in the first half. By no means is this, well, we've got this. This, this is locked up. And we would all, every single one of us, would agree with that. Fourth quarter, entirely different story. First half, we've seen a billion times that that doesn't matter. So, But nevertheless, at that point, I'm enjoying it. I'm thinking, all right, right, this is what we got going here. This is what I was looking for, and we got it. Back to the restricted area, points in the paint, however you want to say it. They lost by 12, and they were outscored by 12 in that very category. Mm-hmm. So that seems to have some credence there, too. Yeah, and, and you already spoke of the one uh, – lost assignment when Julius yeah. Randle just is, ends up being wide open it's 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 a probably a lot of a lot of small detail things that need to be cleaned up which sounds coaching cliche I was about to I say you it. sound like Quinn Snyder Quinn yeah. be like yes and I bring that up every time on the post game and he does he bring in right. wins he brings it up and losses he brings it up he brings that up all the time it's never one thing it's this guy blowing this assignment. This right. guy, I mean, he's bringing up spacing all the time. Some of these turnovers are happening because if you are off by one or two steps, mm-hmm. yeah. NBA players are so big, so long, and so athletic, there isn't a ton of space anyway. And if you space it incorrectly, then there's none. And it's not just about being in the wrong place, but being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And mm-hmm. so that factors into it most definitely. And also, too, you know, the turnovers are an issue, but... Like, I want Joe Ingles to have some turnovers. Now, what I mean by that 
is I don't want him to be passive. This man is an excellent passer, a great facilitator, right? We would all agree with that. Well, sometimes you are going to have a pass that gets deflected. There was one where he thought Derek was going to be somewhere, and Derek didn't roll Mm -hmm. to the level that Joe thought he was rolling. And Joe didn't see him. He was anticipating Derek being there, and he wasn't, and that led to a turnover. Well, I would rather have that than all sorts of hesitancy and reluctance to make plays. So you can live with some of that because they're a form of aggression. And Joe, we know, in order for this team to be where it wants to be and go where it wants to go and all that stuff, you need Joe to be a critical component of that. And so you're probably going to have a couple of turnovers. Those are things that I can live with because they need to happen, right? You're going to live with a few interceptions by a quarterback. You know, some of them you're going to live more than others. As long as you can, if you got the wins, you know, Jameis Winston had too many last year, so he got benched. Brett Favre always had him, but he was the ultimate gunslinger, and they were winning. So you can you can live with those types of things here. What I don't like is these stupid, needless, mindless turnovers that I think you're speaking of. And those are the ones, even though they outscored the Knicks by one point in the points off turnovers, still relative exclusively to the Jazz, they need to eliminate these ones that there's no reason for them. They change the momentum. More than the points, they change the momentum and the flow of the game. And, and to me, the ones, and, and you picked a couple different ones, although they did have a similar impact, to me, the ones when the guys are dribbling and you're 30 to 40 feet from the hoop and you give it away, you just fumble it to the other guy, which in Brooklyn, Donovan had one of those, or you're dribbling and you just get your pocket picked, which Joe Ingles has had, and uh, somebody, oh, Bogdanovich had, um, you know, there's no one to get back and defend. When you're 40 feet from the hoop and you're starting the offense and the other guys are, you know, in the corner, there's no possible way to recover from that. <laughs> there's no way. You know, the aggressive passes you're talking about, which is why you just have to, you just have to assume there's going to be 10 or 12 turnovers in a game. It's going to happen. You're being aggressive. You're on the pick and roll. You're down in the paint. Well, now... Maybe a guy doesn't roll, so you throw the ball out of bounds. That's a turnover. You can set your defense up. Maybe you a guy does make a good play and rotates and steals it, but he's still 90 feet from the hoop. But when it's just you and you're five feet across half court and you lose the ball, that's two points going the other way. That That's just a done deal. And and those are the ones, I think, that are just you know crushing their soul and, and wrecking their, their confidence and their momentum. And I guess that's maybe the part about the next game that I just can't explain. I, I'm supposed to have the answer. I'm supposed to be able to. That's why we're the hosts, right? Either you or I. Well, you're the basketball the guy, man. Okay. We look to you. So, and so then it's my failure here. It is. But in the third it's or on the fourth you. quarter, in the third or the fourth quarter, even though you screwed up a bunch of stuff, you're still you. And they're still them, and you're still the better team. And why they can't turn the game back around. So that then we come in and we're saying, hey, the Jazz had a run, the Knicks had a run, but then the Jazz had another run and won the game. That's pretty normal in the NBA. But the Jazz had that big run in the first half and nothing else. It's like, and I think it's a confidence thing, although I can't put my finger on exactly why. It's like, why don't you guys know you are the better team and go, go drop a 10-2 on them? Why are they dropping the 10-2 run on you? I don't want to go all Godfather on you, but you know the scene I'm going to. Go there. (laughs) (laughs) You don't buy me out. I buy you out. (laughs) You don't drop a 10-2 run on me to end the third quarter. I drop a 10-2 run on you. 
And I can't figure out why that doesn't happen because then it really would be pretty normal. You know, they lost their focus or there was a bad matchup. And yeah, the Knicks had a run and made the game close because they're, they, they got a coach who seems to know what he's doing and hired away one of the Jazz assistants who seems to know what he's doing. And they got a couple of nice players. Randall's not a star, but he's, you know, he can still get some stuff done. So they had a run. Okay. Big deal. That's the discussion I thought we were going to be having today. For them to just get beat over the course of the second half, I still find surprising. Who looks more annoyed, irritated, pissed, whatever phrase you want, you do. word you want, at all times? You do. Thibodeau or Nick Saban? Oh, Thibodeau. That's not close. <laughs> really? Thibodeau. Oh, in a landslide, Thibodeau. Thibodeau is the master. Even with the mask. It seemed like he was furious. Yes. Yeah, I think, I think Thibodeau. And, and Saban does a pretty good job of it. He can look pretty irritated up by two scores. Um, but not, not against Tibbs. Tibbs Except got him. Football's a little bit different, though. There isn't a play every 24 seconds that you know, you're constantly going up and down. Plus, Thibodeau is not coaching a team that has that kind of dominance. So Saban can't be that angry all the time yeah. because he's usually up by 25. Yeah, and, and by the time he's doing those post-game interviews, he gets uh, – I, I found him not living up to his image. And maybe his image was always a little cartoonish and exaggerated, so maybe he never really did. Uh, but I, I think he did in the earlier days. And now you see him after you know another Alabama win, he's like, Hey, our offensive line did a pretty good job out there. You know, I'm like, sweet. He left himself a little door open there. So, you know, whatever blitz they didn't pick up on one play, you know, he can, he can go nuts about in the film room. But, yeah, you, you got to be a little upbeat because you're winning all the time. See, that's why I think you have to grade Sir Saban on a scale. Because and a college football team can win all the time and have zero, one, or two losses at the end of the year, whereas an NBA team is going to have 20 or 25 or 30. <laughs> They're going to yes. wear on you. And the jobs that Thibodeau is getting, they're not exactly, well, here we go, Steve Kerr. We've given you uh, all this talent. Now yeah. don't mess it up. Or here we go, Phil Jackson. And not to say that those guys aren't good coaches because they won and that's their job. And so if you fulfill your job, you're, you're good at what you do. So you can crack on Kerr and Phil Jackson all you want, but nevertheless, they won. So but Thibodeau isn't getting those teams. He's getting jobs that uh, there's a reason why he's getting the job and why the other guy didn't have the job. So, But he just looks – I love the look on his face because he looks like he is about ready to burst a vessel at all times. At all times. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Andrew Reinhardt joining us from Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, you've been on the air with us uh, for a while here on all the shows throughout the day. Uh, but, you know, as you get deeper into this, you're hearing different stories from different people. And uh, curious, what are the stories you're hearing? What results are you hearing from people? Well, when a guy gets erectile dysfunction, he's very skeptical and hesitant, I think, to do much about it. Um, so generally, you know, the problem can get worse, but once they go through the treatments, it is a breath of fresh air. You know, you don't have to take the pill anymore. The acoustic wave is pretty quick. So I think there's skepticism on the front and then they come out, you know, with their head uh, held a little bit higher because relationships are so important. They get the blood flow uh, flowing properly. Keep in mind, ED affects a man's sense of self-worth in such a big way. This is so important. We've helped a lot of guys get that confidence back. 
You're offering special deals right now to people who give you a call at 801-901-8000. We are. If you are struggling with erectile dysfunction or if you just want to improve your frequency in the bedroom, maybe it's minor, but you want to get things back to what they were 10 years ago, call us now. The first step is a medical assessment with our doctor. That will include a blood flow ultrasound, and we're going to do it all for free. We'll also throw in a little gift that is worth the trip. It produces instant results in the bedroom. And then you decide from there if the treatments are a good fit for you. 801-901-8000. That's the number to call at Wasatch Medical. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Zach Wilson, former BYU quarterback, take us to that decision process to forego your senior year and jump into the NFL and pursue the dream that you've had since you were little. It was really going back and forth with, uh, you know, the pros and cons of everything. You know, I, I talked to Coach A-Rod and, you know, he gave me his personal thoughts on everything. And then it was kind of, you know, you're going to go back and forth with every single pro and con about staying or going. And, and he goes, eventually, you just got to come down to the point of, you know, the opportunity it will be there so you just got to do what your heart is feeling and, and what your gut is saying and so really that's what it came down for me you know we listened to what information we were gathering from agents or gms or scouts and really i think it just came down to the opportunity i felt you know was going to be in place for this next year and so i decided to take it and, and bet on myself and, and hope for the best hansen scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network DJ and PK, time to welcome in the TV voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bowler-Jack. Bowler's weekly interview presented by University of Utah Health, trusted health care provider for the Utah Jazz family and yours. Bowler, good morning. Hello. Hello, DJ PK. Hello. Hey, can you do me a favor? Can you lift me up and just say, sing, learn, and apply? Something like that, man. <laughs> Go ahead, DJ. No. Singing is your role, man. We got like two drops of me singing and a hundred of you singing. You're Tom Petty, man, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, There's a million songs I could sing, and probably several by uh, uh, Tom Petty. One of of my favorite tunes of his, Need to Know. And Craig Bolajek, I Need to Know. What's the problem? Uh, That's weird. I was going to go with Free Fallen, but that would have been kind of a downer. Yeah, that's a a downer. But, yeah, I – you know what, PK? I wish I had all the answers. I, I really thought, you know, after the Brooklyn game and what Donovan said in the locker room, you know, was uh, very uh, poignant and direct for, you know, a uh, 24-year-old young leader of the franchise. You know, we got to decide, you know, who are we? And I still don't, I don't think, obviously, they still know. You know, after last night for a half, I thought they, they knew. Uh, boy, they played well. The bench came. And uh, Clarkson and Joe uh, really, really sparked uh, the Jazz in the second quarter. Um, you know, you, you lead by 18, you have a 12-point lead at the half. And then the second quarter, I don't know what happened at halftime. I mean, it was like, you know, Tom Thibodeau, you know, got the attention of this young New York team with a couple of guys they have a lot of hope for and, and Randall and and Barrett and Peyton, um, and they just took them off. I mean, I, when you look at you know the scoreboard, my scorecard, Mitchell and Boyan and Clarkson, all three did not score in the third quarter, and they just got whipped. And then you start playing uphill again, and you lose all the confidence that you had built, and you're back to kind of square one again. I mean, Clarkson kind of reignited in the fourth quarter, but 
you know, you lost by 12, uh, back-to-back losses in, in, in New York. So, again, you could tell uh, Quinn took a long time in the locker room to come out last night, and obviously they've got to work through some – I don't know if it's, it's not shooting. I, I really believe the shots are there. It's just the intensity they play the game with and cons- the, the intensity and the consistency that you have to have in this league, PK and DJ. And I think there's just these lapses that absolutely paralyze the Jazz. And then it, they look up and they have to play again from behind. And that's that's really what has been the biggest thing that I've seen. So the thing I've been beating into the ground, and PK's probably sick of it, is the turnovers, especially oh, the yeah. turnovers that are happening two steps across midcourt. The number of different players who are losing the ball while dribbling 35 or 40 feet from the hoop, and it's just, it's just one-on-one. It's very routine. There's, there's no X's and O's. There's no trick to it. And, and they're just losing the ball, and it's a layup or dunk going the other way. It's, uh, it's blowing my mind. Yeah, no, you're right. You had seven between uh, the two guards last night and uh, Donovan and Conley, and then Joe had four. You know, it, it's, uh, it's, it is strange, isn't it, when you, you can almost see it. It's telegraphed, and they come across and make, I don't think, you know, I've always been told, and you go back to basic basketball, the old two-chest pass, and if you're going to pass the ball, you make sure you put, you know, that you get it there, and it doesn't, you know, kind of find itself lost in space, so to speak. And those are just, you know, concentration plays that are costly because you, you said it, um, you know, you give it up at half court or after the first couple of bounces as you try to get in the mid, you know, to, to, to the uh, front court and you pass it off, the guy picks it off and just run it to the rim, easy baskets. And there was too many of those last night as well. But, yeah, turnovers would be the other part of this. Uh, is the consistency now you go focus concentration and those sound simple but i don't know if it's fatigue i don't know if it's uh the mind games of what the world is today don't know just don't know but it's got to be fixed or you're going to have a rough a rough go so we as fans, we get caught up, and DJ likes to talk about how we ride the roller coaster, and I can't argue mm-hmm. with him, even though I love to argue, but obviously he's right. And you, maybe not this year, but you've been around the players for so many years and the coaches and all that. How much do they get caught up in a roller coaster? That's a great question, PK. I, I tell you, they, they always speak to speak or the player. You know, you always say coach speak, player speak. Look, there's always that, I think, built-in mechanism of, look, we're good. Uh, what was Ricky Rubio? Never too high, never too low. And, I, you know, I think to keep your sanity to some, to, to some degree, PK, you have to take on that mentality. But at the same time, you know, when game time comes, I think all fans always believe that you've got to be focused. And, you know, you get into this pace scale discussion of how can they not be. But you know what? Still, the human factor plays a factor, right? Uh, yesterday's events, I don't know how it impacted. Uh, some, some teams before we went on the air last night, I was reading that some that were considering not to play, some decided to play, some showed solidarity, you know, uh, in a circle last night. I mean, there's a lot of issues going on, and I'm not sure how much that impacts, but um, I think it's still part of the discussion, even today. I mean, the COVID, the BLM, 
last night's uh, or yesterday's, uh, you know, situation at the Capitol. Uh, I mean, the world is in a crazy place. And basketball, I was sitting there last night thinking, okay, I've got to find my mood, too, uh, to try to do this. And I think it, it impacts, PK. I really do. I think some of the things going on impacts. But fans don't want those excuses. I think that's the point, is that it still is that getaway, entertainment, escape from what we're dealing with. And then when you see your team, the roller coaster that we all, you know, we all ride. Heck, man, the Chiefs up and down. Well, most of the, you know, that's my team, as you guys know. And, you know, it's, 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 it's something you you hope every time they hit the field or the floor they're going to win if that's your team and you do ride the highs and lows and sometimes you forget that the players ride highs and lows too and I think that's just where we are in society right now no excuses but I, I think these guys are having some problems focusing and you hope you hope they find a way you hope they do so we have had some uh, some of our listeners point out hey uh, Miami. Portland, Denver, Utah, I'm leaving somebody out, uh, all, uh, Toronto, all underachieving Toronto. right now. All teams right. that have been to a conference final or an NBA final in the last two years. And the Jazz aren't in that club, uh, but nonetheless they've been a playoff team. And that these teams are underachieving, is there something about the short offseason, lack of a training camp, what's going on in the world, why it, it, the NBA is... Not perfectly predictable, but it's ballpark predictable. We know who's great. We know who's right. good. We know who's average. And there's a couple surprises, but to have five teams underperforming like this, that's weird. Yeah, and then you got some other teams overperforming. I mean, look what you know New York's done. They've won, you know, five of their last six and three in a row. And Tom Thibodeau's a rookie coach. Uh, you know, look what Brooklyn's done with Steve Nash. I mean, you expect with the talent level they have. But still without Durant is my point, is that they play on. That's the depth uh, that they show. The Jazz are 500 ball club, 4-4. Four and four. And, you know, Donovan said last night that there's a they get off to a slower start. Fans know that. But I think, again, DJ, when you come talking about the Jazz specifically, there is no really transition for them this year. The only change was Derek Favors, per se, uh, and a couple of draft picks and a free agent, um, and Shaq Harrison. Bottom line is the reason why I think Dennis and the Jazz kind of stayed this way was really they had to sign two of their cornerstone players, right? And they got phased back and, and signed Jordan Clarkson. Um, the point is that they felt comfortable that that transition you speak of wasn't going to be at a high level. They knew they know each other. The the whole system is in place, and maybe that's why the surprise of of the way the Jazz are playing. Because look, Joe knows favors. Joe knows Rudy. Mike Conley's adjusted now from his time in Memphis, and so there was no plan for any type of slow start out of the gate. They I think that I think a lot of people felt like the Jazz would be ahead of the game because they knew they knew each other. Look, they're four and four. They're not one and you know, one and seven. But still I think what we we've watched is the surprise of the turnovers and the inability to be as consistent uh, as Donovan has keeps saying, we gotta find out who we are and be that. 
And I think that's those are surprising comments from a team that really should know each other because they kind of dedicate, they hang their hat on being tight, close locker room, uh, good you know, good friends, and that that does make you kind of scratch your head, wondering why they haven't uh, uh, they haven't found that that consistency that we're all you know waiting to see. So you talk about that good friendship. We were discussing this in the prior time. It's sometimes you need some guys to take the lead and have tough conversations. Is Donovan Mitchell at that point where you think he can do that? Well, I know he's – that's another great observation, PK. Look, he's a friendly guy. He's a motivator. He's a, he, he'll pat you on your, on your butt, your head, whatever you need to just you know, get you over the hump. But, you know, you bring up a good point. Who's the nasty uh, who's a guy that can really close the door and, and, and sit down and say, hey, this isn't the way it should be? You know, I, that's that's something uh, that this team is tight, and that may be one of the, the lacking features is having the bad guy who can step it up. Maybe is that Coach Q's um, you know, role? Most likely. The, the door was shut for a long time last night, and of course the coach – uh, is a guy that has to talk to talk. Um, I think you have a leader in Donovan, but at the same time, you know, how nasty does it have to get sometimes where you have to, you know, call a player out or tell it the way it is? And PK, you know, I'm not behind those doors. Uh, I wish I could be sometimes, but that's that private area that very few ever get to reach. And, uh, you know, my, my comments are really just what I see. Uh, when we when we when we did travel, or when I got a chance to talk to guys, and you really get to know them better on the road, and that's just not happening right now. Both the statues could do it, couldn't they? It's not uh, bad yeah. to have more than one guy. Both those guys yeah. could chew on a teammate when necessary. Absolutely, and you know that was something that was uh, you know part of it. One did it in a different way than the other. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. and that was uh, that's why there's two that's why there's two statues out there. Because they don't, they both played the game and approached it totally different, but achieved, you know, such greatness, individual greatness, and you know, the team titles did not come in two two incredible runs against Chicago. But the two themselves individually achieved uh, achieved greatness in this league. Yeah, they did. See, in my mind, I think even though it's a, probably a little bit earlier than usual, I think Mitchell has the cachet to be able to say what he wants because he's got the game and it's yeah. clear that he's the franchise player. Gobert's right there too. But if you're going to take one guy, you're going to take Mitchell. And so, and you listen to him talk in his post games and I always like to listen to him because at least when he does those now they're Zoom, he's saying things that I want to hear. You know, after the Knicks loss, he's saying, well, we got to just do it, man. We get, basically, you know, paraphrasing the, my interpretation of it anyway was, you know, we can talk to we're blue in the face, but now we got to go do it. So I think that he's reached that level of stardom or whatever you want to call it to where if he's got something to say to the team, he ought to say it. Yeah. You know what I, I found too in these Zoom conference or Zoom interviews, PK, that, you know, the media is allowed to dial into is that he's never dodged a question. And I do respect the hell out of that in the sense that his age is to just take it, speak the truth, and put it out there. And if he has to, he'll put it on himself with no hesitation. 
you've heard the same, both of you guys have heard the same thing I have. And I, I find that refreshing because the guy's able to talk about himself and what the team has to do. And maybe that does translate then on into the locker room. But, but you know what your point was, to what degree? You know, it does, can you say it? Or does it have to be a forcible, a forcible type of voice? Or are the words enough to let the other, the other 11 or 12, 13, 14 guys in that locker room decide how they're going to play? You know, Donovan, every, every, every leader can only say so much. It basically comes down to the rest of the team on how they're going to approach the game. Now, I know Clarkson, you could tell body language last night, frustrated and, uh, you know, the way that he plays on the floor, I think, is, is the way he delivers his message. Uh, and everyone, you know, Stockton was different. He was a quiet assassin, didn't like the media. Malone would speak and, and be the soundbite of the day. Uh, and that's just the two different comparisons. And everybody does, I think, approach the game differently. And the way they lead, right? And uh, I think Donovan is your go-to guy, PK, no question. The way that he handles the media, the way that he even talks about himself, uh, the beauty of Donovan, he doesn't back down from a question, doesn't try to go around the corner. He pretty much takes it straight on and gives you a straight-up answer. All right, let's get to the truly important stuff now. What was up with the uh, with the kilt and Clarkson? What was going on there? You got any idea? <laughs> I have no idea. You know what, though? If there's one guy that can pull it off, he can. PK, you could possibly do the kilt action. I, I just depends on your Well, I have great day. legs. I mean, one of my better qualities, and I've got a lot of qualities that are outstanding physically, if you get my drift, but legs is right there. Legs number, yeah. yeah. Do, you have, do you have, who, who, who uh, you know, when people like, uh, what was it, the one lady on uh, the entertainment show uh, that had her legs? Uh, Mary Hart. Mary Hart. Yeah, she had them insured. You don't. You don't have your legs insured. Yeah, it bothers me that DJ knew that in a heartbeat. <laughs> I knew where he's going, and the way he delivered it, Mary Hart. You Mary knew. Hart. I did. I had no idea where he was going, but DJ didn't miss a beat. He knew it instantly, yep. yeah. which really makes me a little nervous. <laughs> I always thought it was Paul Azan he had the crush on. Uh, I think he just... Paul Azan, Paul Azan, personal, Mary Hart, business. Business, okay. I think he just likes entertainment shows, PK. That's what it is. Okay. Jeez. How many years have I come back to my desk... And that music's been blaring after the 6 o'clock news. Oh, sure. Doesn't mean yeah. you need to watch it. No, I don't. I turn it off, but I still... no. I'm, but you I'm knew on, that. I'm on to a game. Well, yeah, I mean, it's on for a couple minutes. The game only thing I knew about Mary Hart is she sits in the first row of Dodger games. Yeah. No, it was you knew she had her legs insured. That was I, a honestly, big story. if I did, I forgot it. That was a huge story. I was um, going Vanna White. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so, on the local scene, you know who wore the kilt? And did it on TV, did it in his famous stand-up, Rod Decker. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, and it's out there. It's out there on YouTube or somewhere, a website. I forgot it. Rod Decker. Yeah, Decker did. We would never do anything to uh, remove the dignity of local news. That's not exactly I want parental control on that one. But there was, uh, and it was, a, it was a photographer with a handheld walking up to him. And he, we would never do anything to ruin the dignity of local news. And he's in there in a kilt. It was hilarious. Uh. I believe he was I, making a point. Yeah. I hope he it was, always it makes a, a point. It yep. wasn't a windy day. 
He was indoors. It was indoors. Okay, good. It was in the middle that, of the newsroom. I'm resting easier now. That's good. <laughs> All right, Will. On to Milwaukee. On At least Milwaukee you're, you're better rested. You're better rested this year. Think of all the late night flights and uh, oh. 2.30 a.m. hotel arrivals that you're not dealing with. Yeah, but i got to be honest. It's a totally different game. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean you know, you're in an arena, Jumbotron, and, and it doesn't have the same feel, and we're trying to yep. do our best for the fans. And it's hard to explain, but I've got to tip my hat to the technology of what Travis and our, our crew and JB, you guys know them. Uh, they're, it's, it's a wonderment of how they're pulling this off uh, from thousand miles away. But. And now you got to ad lib on the ad lib because the monster trucks are taking over the arena. And I, yeah, I walked in, uh, I had no idea. Our engineer was working yesterday and yeah. there was stuff set up. And I'm like, what is going on? Because it didn't make any sense. It's like we're setting I, all this stuff up. Like we can't have people in the arena. I mean, we're very aware of, you know, like there are, it, it, both TV and radio, there are rules. People cannot be in the building. So what could possibly be, oh, wow, you're, you're going to. You're going to ad-lib on the ad-lib. I'm hidden away uh, in a special place that I think may be, well, all of us are in a special place. And we, the biggest uh, concern or issue will be, will you be able to hear the monster trucks mm-hmm. rev their engines uh, on, on certain, certain moments? But, ah, it just know, adds I, to the flavor. Yeah, it does. Someone <laughs> said, what the heck's that? That's the, what's that? the grave digger Is, up there, you know? <laughs> Is the uh, the analyst because you always show the two screen? Uh, is the analyst there to where you can speak to him? Is or is it he's a, a ways away? Because I would imagine that's got to be difficult have, for you. We have some remote and some six feet away from me with a crew. People ask why the masks. Well, because it's like family. We would. I have a a lot of people making this happen and some are in the room and some are out, but we're close in proximity that we wear the masks uh, to protect each other. They protect me. I protect them. I've had a lot of questions about that on Twitter and it's just, I haven't had a chance to really uh, address it, but since you brought it up, uh, we're all in close proximity. And so that's the reason why, even though there is a split screen there and we try to have, you know, spacing. We still have a lot of people in small spaces pulling off this remote broadcast that we're doing. So out of respect um, uh, for even the fans who are in the stands, we're trying to uh, do the best job we can for them as well and for us, bottom line. Bowler, this has been an incredible appearance by you from Mary Hart's legs to a gravedigger reference. <laughs> you really have touched them all. Hey, I need the levity, man, and uh, it's been a good talk. I'm glad that uh, you were able to remember Mary Hart uh, and bringing talking kilts. I mean, that's a whole nother, another level. <laughs> all right, as long as we don't have to talk turnovers again. Well, and we will. PK, we will at some part point. Is if you can take us out with a little Tom Petty, man, yeah, it make my day. Well, this is for the Jazz going to Milwaukee. Now I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. <laughs> Man, incredible. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about right there. I got the phone. I'm waving, PK. I'm ready for the encore. Yeah, hey, baby! <laughs> there ain't no easy way out. <laughs>
pretty good. Nice. Nice. All right, Bowler. All right, guys. Be good. Talk soon. Craig Bowler, Jack. uh, Craig Bowler, Jack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Sniggy, when we come back, I got a Tom Petty story involving a local coach that I think you'll enjoy. All right. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. I'll tell you this. I once went on a vacation away from my girlfriend, and I really missed her. And I was in a really good place. Really good place to find. It may have been an island somewhere. How old were you? I was in my early 20s. So you were taking paradise vacations to random islands in your early 20s, while the rest of us (laughs) are taking every nickel we can out of the couch cushion to go buy food? You're off to Tahiti? No, I was working. I, 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 I went there to, you know... Help construct something. I'm lying. I'm lying. But that part was a lie. <laughs> yeah, you're but not doing us. any Habitat for Humanity trips. <laughs> <laughs> the Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, PK, before the break, you promised a Tom Petty story <laughs> with the local coach that will entertain. <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> Excellent. Those are the best. It doesn't reflect well on me. But, okay. Uh, uh, so remember Urban? Uh, after, I think it was, was it the Colorado game? Because they moved that to Saturday morning on Fox, right? For Speaking of Utah. Mm-hmm. And uh, right at the end, I think it was at the end of the game, that, uh, or at the end of their show uh, after the game, post-game, that Urban said, Kyle's got to get a haircut. Yep. Remember, am I remembering that correctly? You are, yes. Yeah. So that became... A little bit of a, a, a mini story. So I said to him, well, what, what's up with the do? And he says, I'm trying to be like Tom Petty. So, uh, you know, laugh. Haha. And uh, so I found a, a picture of Tom Petty, which obviously is not very difficult to do. And I superimposed a Utah cap on it. So it had, had the U. Mm-hmm. And so I sent it to him. He said to me, Man, I'm surprised you knew how to do that. <laughs> this is funny. And I said, well, you busted me. I didn't know how to do that. I asked my daughter to do it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Younger good generation. To have a there you go. It's good to have a teenager. Hey, can you um, put this hey, Can you Photoshop this, this for me? <laughs> yeah. And he said, oh, okay. Now that makes sense. <laughs> nice. DJ PK, time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt from the Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? We are doing well. You're back to tell us more about uh, solutions for guys struggling with ED. And uh, you've, lately you've been referencing clinical studies. They seem to be adding up. Yes, they do. The acoustic wave therapy that we use is FDA registered as of, I think, 2011. Uh, Cambridge University... Uh, University did a study in 2017-18. They tested this technology with men that struggle with erectile dysfunction. It opens up and regrows blood vessels. At least that was the theory 10 years ago. It has been proven time and time again. At the end of the study that Cambridge did, it said all men tested, uh, uh, they had a significant improvement in blood flow. So it reversed the ED and even did it for guys with severe erectile dysfunction where the pill was no longer working. So 
that is what we're doing at Wasatch Medical. We're helping guys get back to normal function in the bedroom, improve the frequency with their significant other, and do it without the pill. And you're getting testimonials from those people? We are. We have treated thousands of guys all over the country, and the success rate's very high. A lot of positive feedback, and I must say that the significant others, that has surprised me, they are often, the spouse, often very happy with the results as well. So you got a special deal right now. We do. If you're out there struggling with ED, if you're sick of the pills, if you want to get the relationship back on track, call us now. This initial screening with the doctor, the blood flow ultrasound, plus a special gift that produces instant results in the bedroom, it's all free. A lot of value there. Call us now. No charge. You can call 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical at 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you.